Solidarność, the Workers' Press. Two Solidarność newspapers were now being printed on state presses. Jednosz, meaning unity, edited by Leszek Delushi, a mechanic at the Szczecin shipyard, was launched in January 1981 and had a weekly circulation of 100,000 in northwest Poland. In April, Tygodnik Solidarność, Weekly Solidarity, began publication, selling 500,000 each week. Both papers were between 8 and 16 pages in tabloid format. The papers were published alongside daily bulletins, enterprise journals, radio cassette recordings, posters and leaflets. Delushi, still in his 20s, led a team of seven workers producing Jednosh. Delushi commented, quote, We started as amateurs and are learning on the job. We are not professional journalists and therefore we do not have the ideological luggage of years of working for communist papers to unload. End quote. Jednosh and Tygodnik Solidarność were both subjected to official censorship. Jednosh was considered the more radical, the moderate Catholic oppositionist. Tadeusz Mazowiecki edited Tygodnik Solidarność. It was impossible to buy Tygodnik Solidarność at a news kiosk. All the paper's print run was distributed inside the factories. A factory with 10,000 workers would get 25 copies. Of Jednosz's print run, 65,000 copies were sold in workplaces and 35,000 in kiosks. Core workers decided not to work with Mazovetsky and kept publishing Robotnik. In order to become more self-reliant, a team of Solidarność printers went to Sweden on a printing course organised by the Swedish Print Workers Union. Most of the Solidarność regions produced weekly bulletins of between 6 and 12 pages in print runs of 20,000 copies. Larger regions such as Krakow and Wrocław had bulletins with print runs of 100,000. In Warsaw, Solidarność was producing two daily bulletins with teams of messengers organised to distribute it to the largest factories. In addition to the newspapers and bulletins, Solidarność set up AS, Solidarity, Solidarity Agency, a news agency based in Warsaw and run by Helena Luchivo, a former Robotnik editor and core activist. Each week, Lucivo's small team published a thick volume of news reports. Each page was typed and reduced, sometimes carrying the equivalent of 200 pages of news and information. An edition would start with national news. A second section carried local reports. The third part contained the texts of official texts of official resolutions and statements. A fourth dealt with reports from experts and commissions, and the final section contained reproductions of Solidarność's plant and regional bulletins. Only 1,500 copies of each edition were published at the relatively high price of 50 zlotys or 65 pence. The Nova Samizdat Press had now linked up with Solidarność to open 200 libraries providing material outside the official censorship system. The Warsaw offices of Solidarność 
also provided a tape cassette service with tapes produced by Marek Shlebovich, a worker at Polish State Radio. Shlebovich had been in Bydgoszcz in March 1981 when the local Solidarność leaders had been attacked. His tape of the incident was played on factory radio systems across the country. Information, Solidarity by Dennis McShane Solidarność The Hunger Marches A.S. reported on the lavish lifestyle of the bureaucrats. Edward Gierek's villa was described to readers. The house was set in 4,000 acres of parkland, with a billiard room, private cinema and a dining room able to seat 40 guests. Waste and corruption were widespread, with regular reports of food being wasted due to bureaucratic negligence. The situation for the working class was dire, demoralising and getting worse. Since the end of the Bidgoszcz crisis, Solidarność had been trying to limit the use of strikes. <clears throat> the KKP agreeing not to strike unless the union's existence was threatened. Moreover, Solidarność, remembering the times workers had been shot down on the streets, had always kept its action inside the enterprises. Now, however, the economic crisis was looking far, vast and deep. In comparison with 1980, real wages in 1981 had fallen by 15%. The value of industrial production was down 18%, electric power by 6%, coal production by 16%, apartment completion by 15.5%. The length of the average work week had fallen by 8%, while output per worker had fallen 12%. 30% of industrial plant capacity was unused from a lack of raw materials or equipment. Foreign debt by the end of 1981 stood at $25.5 billion and 3.2 billion rubles to Eastern Bloc states. In 1981 exports had dropped 12% against 1980 and imports had fallen by 12% too. Ration cards covered an increasing number of products, but these goods were not always available. Workers and their families spent enormous amounts of time searching for shops with food for sale. People left work to join queues. Wildcat strikes broke out. Barter was increasingly used to obtain scarce foods. The shortages of meat in the shops was partly caused by private farmers' refusal to sell their animals to the state, especially in the second half of 1981. The farmers considered the prices in Polish currency they were being offered to be too low against the increased costs of pesticides and fertilisers. They sold instead privately. According to official figures, meat supply had fallen by 17% in the first six months of 1981. From August, the meat ration was cut from 3.7 kilos of meat per month to 3 kilos per month. On the black market, the exchange rate for dollars had gone from 120 slotties to the dollar in August 1980 to 250 to the dollar in the summer of 1981. On the 24th of July, the government announced that it would cut the meat ration by 20% in August and September. 
The next day, on 25th of July, 2,000 people took to the streets in Kutno, central port Poland. The protest was organised by the local MKS and the protesters carried empty pots and pans and signs reading, quote, We are tired of being hungry, tired of queuing, end quote. Bus drivers blocked traffic in the streets of Łódź and Piotrkov. Over the next week, scores of similar protests took place across Poland. In Łódź, a town of 800,000 people, 50,000 workers took to the streets on 30th of July, and again the march was organised by leading Solidarność activists. The main bulk of the protest was made up of women and children. The demonstration was quiet and sombre, with groups of women singing hymns. Men hung about the edges, protecting the procession. Wood was a textile town where, of the rationed goods, only butter and flour were available. The women worked long hours in sweatshop conditions, and now there was no washing powder to clean their work clothes. On the 3rd to 4th of August, a motorcade organised by Mazovshi MKS at the initiative of militant transport workers snaked through Warsaw to protest against ration cuts and shortages. The police stopped the convoy of trucks, cars and buses as it attempted to pass the party's headquarters, at which point the parade stopped for 48 hours blocking the roads in central Warsaw. The state's right to control the streets was now being contested. Mieczysław Rakowski for the government met Fawenza on the 3rd of August, the first meeting since the 23rd of June. Rakowski bitterly complained that Solidarność's strikes had caused the food crisis. The official press under Stefan Olszowski aggressively worked the same theme. Solidarność threatened a print workers' strike unless the relentless anti-union campaign in the press ended. In fact, the strike took place on the 19th to the 20th of August. It cut newspaper production from 9 million papers per day to 2 million, with two-thirds of all printers taking part. By organising the local hunger protests, Solidarność members were assuming the roles more often associated with activists of a workers' political party. They were the tribunes of the people. But who would solve the food crisis and economic crisis? That crisis required governmental level action. For the workers to solve the crisis in their own interests, they required a workers' government based on their own power in the factories. In a country where every single working class action quickly became political, directed against the Stalinist state, the Polish bureaucrats and Soviet imperialism, In a country where every single working class action quickly became political, directed against the Stalin estate, the Polish bureaucrats and Soviet imperialism could not tolerate the existence of Solidarność. They found these hunger marches acutely alarming. Zbigniew Bujak remarked that Solidarność found itself like, quote, a union of seamen on a sinking ship, end quote but Solidarność was not willing to take control of the ship. That created a certain opportunity for the party, and opinion polls began to show a significant minority favouring, quote, 
drastic measures, end quote. In June, one poll showed 78% positive support for Solidarność, while 87% gave the party a poor rating. But 31% approved of, quote, strong political leadership, discipline and obedience, end quote, as the only solution to the crisis. Solidarność's unwillingness to take power was creating a basis of support for the counter-revolution. Solidarność Solidarność's Congress All the union's leaders concluded that the union must begin to take a more active role in political affairs. Solidarność demanded complete information about the country's internal and external trade figures and access to government stores. They demanded the right to check and direct the distribution of meat and other products in short supply. That was the question of workers' control of distribution. The question of control over industrial production was more complex and contested. From March 1981, a network of committees in large workplaces had been spontaneously set up alongside Solidarność and even against the wishes of the main leaders, committed to quote, self-government, end quote, inside the enterprises. By July, workers' organisations in 3,000 factories, shipyards and mines were linked up. In practice, the movement insisted on managers being selected on the basis of competence rather than party alignment in heavy industry. Minimal though this was, it was a direct threat to the nomenclatura system. The quarter of a million strong party-state ruling class felt its jobs and privileges were directly under threat. And of course, the central problem had not been addressed. If state power remained in the hands of the party, overall planning decisions, interrelationships between factories, economic priorities and planning would still remain under the control of the hostile, anti-working class, bureaucratic ruling class. Solidarność was dividing down ideological lines between pragmatists, led by Fuenza, who believed in the necessity of compromise with the regime, and radicals. But the division between the two tendencies was also unclear and unstable, and radical meant refusing to compromise with the regime rather than advocates of working class power in society. Solidarność had been renewing its leadership. The party's bosses waited to see what Solidarność's Congress would decide while issuing a clear warning. Kanya, closing a Central Committee plenum on the 3rd of September, said, quote, Our enemies say the authorities will surely not introduce a state of emergency in Poland, but the government will resort to every means which may be necessary, end quote. The first stage of Solidarność's Congress took place on the 5th to the 10th of September in Gdansk. 896 delegates represented 9.5 million workers. Half the delegates were under 33 years old. 43% worked in industry or mining. 86% were married and only 8% were women. The majority were skilled workers. 50% had a car and telephone, compared to 17% countrywide. 
A big majority, over 80%, had been active in the Polish state's fake unions prior to the creation of Solidarność. Less than 10% were members of the PZPR and 9% were members of the Stalinist Youth Organisation. In the first sessions, no programme was agreed, but a statement of priorities was drafted, including demands for controls over production, distribution and pricing and abolition of the nomenclature system. The most contentious decision was to send a message to the workers of Eastern Europe and Soviet workers. Mild and short, the message included, quote, We support those among you who have decided to follow the difficult struggle for a tra- free trade union movement. We have the firm hope that our representatives will be able to meet each other, end quote. The Soviet news agency TASS denounced extremists who had turned the Congress into, quote, anti-socialist and anti-Soviet bacchanalia, end quote. Responding, Lechfluenza repeated that the Union did not want power, but control over the authorities so that they would serve the people. The Polish party leaders knew that the Russians' patience was running out. Solidarność was, dangerously, leaving unorganised by themselves large groups of the population, students, farmers, retired workers. Many of these people could have found a place in a genuine workers' party. Fawenza was resolutely set against the formation of a new party, although discussions began to take place about the creation of workers' political education groups. Later, in November, Jacek Kuron's apartment was raided when activists were gathering to found an organisation called Clubs for a Self-Governing Republic. The Ministry of Internal Affairs described the police action as necessary to prevent the formation of an illegal organisation, a political party, which was being founded to engage in anti-state activities. Between the 11th and 25th of September, 13 working groups met to draft sections of Solidarność's programme. The clearest division between moderates and radicals took place in the 11th working group charged with formulating the union's desired relationship between the union and the party state. One wing thought that reforms such as abolishing the party's monopoly on nominations for the SEM Stalinist semi-parliament, and creating a second chamber would be adequate. Fundamentalists wanted to explicitly reject the so-called leading role of the party. The union's advisers, Tadeusz Mazowiecki and the human rights lawyer, Władysław Silanowicki, argued strongly on the side of the pragmatists. Two reports were published by the 11th group, with the radicals demanding multi-party democracy, quote, social ownership, end quote, of the means of production to replace the party's monopoly of economic authority and to remove party organisation from the workplaces. The second part of the Solidarność Congress began on 26th of September. The freewheeling, noisy Congress developed an anti-intellectualism 
the product of frustration with the advisor's moderation. None of the well-known advisers were elected to the new National Commission. The state media was banned from the Congress to protect the Union from misrepresentation in the official media. CORE announced that its dissolution on the grounds that its work was now being carried out by the Union. Elections took place for the chair of the National Commission. Fuenza was opposed by three other candidates, Andrzej Gryazda from Gdańsk, Jan Rulewski, the militant from Bydgoszcz, and Marianne Jurczyk from Szczecin, leader of the August 1980 shipyard strike. Fuenza, who did not bother to campaign for votes, received 55%. Jurczyk got 25% and the other two less than 10% each. Fawenza's victory was clear. Nevertheless, perhaps 40% of the Congress voted for a more militant leadership than Fawenza. The Congress agreed a new national commission comprising the 38 chairs of Solidarność's regional boards and 69 members elected on the basis of the number of members in each region. So Upper Silesia, Katowice, had 11 representatives. Mazovshe, Warsaw, and Lower Silesia, Wrocław, had 8 each. Krakow had 6, down to 3 mini-regions, which had no representation. A presidium to the National Commission was also formed, with 11 of 12 candidates designated by Fawenza being elected. Solidarność's programme was voted on. Divided into eight sections and 37 theses, the introduction included this statement, quote, In the face of national tragedy, Solidarność must no longer restrict itself to expectations and to exerting pressure on the authorities to keep obligations stemming from the agreements. The Union considers it its fundamental duty take every possible step to save the country from misery, apathy and self-destruction. There is no other way than by reforming the state and the economy on the basis of democracy. The Union was being drawn into politics in a way that implied collaboration with the re- regime, even against the immediate interests of the Polish working class. So, for example... Although Solidarność demanded the abolition of nomenclatura system and, quote, public, depoliticized control over the government's anti-crisis decisions, end quote, it also now accepted the need for massive price rises and the resolution by special courts of all labor disputes. Thirteen of the 37 theses were headed, quote, the self-governing republic, end quote, in which reforms to authoritarian rule were proposed, rather than a multi-party democracy and the election of a constituent assembly. The final text was a compromise between reformers and fundamentalists. At the end of the Congress, a delegate who was also a party member 
said that the ideas that had been agreed, which would be particularly objectionable to the authorities, were separation of economic control from political control, public control of the means of production, introduction of Solidarność television and radio stations, and abolition of the state monopoly of foreign trade.